Welcome to Witch Yes, a podcast for casual conjurings, witches, and trading. And bitches, we're back. We're back. I'm Alicia Herter. We're back. And I'm Tara Keck. There you go. That's it. That's the spirit. On today's episode, Forest Gods, Witches in the News, and a Spell to Commune with Nature. Go outside. Get your pale, naked mole rat ass out of doors. I don't care if there's fires. You know, there's only a few fires anyway. And they're like all in Canada. It's fine. And even so, walk into the fire. (laughs) Just go. (laughs) Prove thyself. I really just want people to connect with nature. That's all I want. When's the last time you were in nature? I mean, I take a walk around the neighborhood, and I feel like that's nature. Yep. Because I'm smelling the flowers. I'm saying hi to the trees. Like, it's a great time. That's beautiful. Yeah. What about you? When was the last time you were in nature? I went to Prospect Park yesterday after dropping off a piece at um, this show, this gallery called Be Dry Goods. Mm -hmm. I walked over there. That's when I got my 19,000 steps and was crying. Mm -hmm. And I took Dolly with me, and um, there's like a zoo in prospect park i've never been to it but they have a carousel yes and dolly saw the carousel for the first time in her whole three years of life and was horrified oh yeah i felt like that was an affront to nature but but yeah that was the last time i was in nature was next to this carousel well that's really nice it's really lovely and you know what the listeners don't fucking care about the last time we were in nature. <laughs> no, they do. They love They love our banter. They, they want love... answers <laughs> to pressing okay. questions. How long did we ghost these people? We didn't ghost them. We didn't ghost. Patreon... We said we will be back in a month or two and a half, three. It's very telling that on this document, the, the little section that says record, May 3rd or 4th airs May 10th. Oh, my God. That's over a month ago. You know, there was effort. We did discuss it. And we ultimately were like, we can't. We're too tired. <laughs> we're not ready. It's not that, um, that we were avoiding you. It's just that we're really bad texters. Sorry. <laughs> but, baby, you actually were places doing things, dealing with people, having memories made. Traumas formed, yeah. Bonds built. Yeah, and destroyed. Bridges 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 burned. burned. Decimated, honestly. (laughs) Like, never walking across those bridges again. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Where have you been? Well, I moved to Los Angeles. Like, we had told the people. That wasn't a lie. That wasn't a lie. It did happen. I was working on a feature film that was crazy and what else bitch what else would you just it was exhausting I was just trying to give it you know the feature a little more like insight without saying things that I haven't already said on the patreon and then we got engaged Marcel and I got engaged Boom. wait 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 wait. easy and then you and then we got engaged and you know this morning for breakfast I had an omelet wait where did you get engaged how did it happen Tell the story. It was, it's so beautiful. We went to Puerto Vallarta mostly because I was like, I need a vacation from this hell that I've been living through. We book it for like a long weekend trip. The moment I'm done with the shoot, we fly away. It's so relaxing. Just like pina coladas Mm -hmm. on the beach. It's an all-inclusive resort, which in Mexico is so cheap. I really recommend everyone to do it. It will not break your bank account. If anything, you'll be like, I should move here and live a better (laughs) life. So, you know, I had my nails did, looking all cute and shit. And Marcel was able to arrange a proposal. Uh, This woman named Diana helped him. And so there was like a beautiful heart on the beach that had rose petals in it. And 
he proposed to me at sunset on the beach and a lot of people clapped and it was so cute and special and I knew like that he was going to propose but I didn't know like how exactly so it was just like we were waiting for the time to happen and we were both just so nervous and I was like "Ah." not nervous like I'm gonna say no I'm just like nervous the whole situation was just like nerve-wracking like "Ah." but it was really cute and lovely and now I'm part of the fiancés the the fiancé squad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the flawed as I like to call it the quad the glutes (laughs) okay i have two questions two yeah so he proposed to you yeah at sunset gorgeous on the beach did you see that green flash no we looked though actually (laughs) because then we were able to sit down and like watch the sun fully go down and i was like there's this green flash and we've come to the conclusion we think it's made up because that green flash definitely came into being around the time of Pirates of the Caribbean and I know you told me about it but really it was in the Pirates of the Caribbean like second or third movie mm-hmm. so I don't know how real it is okay we'll get to that in a minute mm-hmm. but I, my second question is what did he say to you he said beautiful sweet nothings and it was lovely and I cried which I didn't think I was gonna cry but I did cry and it wasn't like a cute little like Oh, my little tears. It was like a <laughs> whale. <laughs> like Banshee. ugly face crying. I thought I was going in like a stone cold killer. And then I was like, <laughs> so beautiful. And I said, yes. I like the word yes. And I, it was like the only word I could even think of. I couldn't think of any other words. It's, it's, ter- it's your brain evaporates. It's so good. It's just, that's called being in the moment. Yeah. It's amazing. We should do it more often. I get down on one knee. Yeah, you should always propose to me. <laughs> I like it now. Always be proposing. ABP. I don't understand why this has to happen only like once in my life. Like, I could use a few more proposals, you know? It's a good time. You should tell him to do it again. Yeah, he nailed the first one, so mm. I'm sure he'd keep doing a great job at it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And we're still like in the middle of a move. So we're at the place that we've been subleasing in L.A. And now we do have an apartment, but we don't have access to move in until the first week of July. So we'll still have to like actually move and move all of Mm -hmm. our things in and whatnot, which doesn't mean this is our only episode and then see us suckers later until I moved in. No, I mean, we can record while we're like moving in, but. It's just like the whole process of moving, even though we did it at the end of April, still isn't done yet, Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy. But it also feels like like I've been here way longer than I actually have been. It feels like six months. It really does. Yeah. To me. Like, it's to the point where I'm like, am I doing enough? And it's like, bitch, you've been here for like not even three full months. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I should be nice to myself. I I love that. Which we all should be. But you've kind of been, like, gallivanting around the world. So what have you been up to? It's not like you've been sleeping, just crying into your (laughs) pillow while I've been having these exhausting and exciting adventures on my end. I'm just here forlorn, jealous, lonely. (laughs) When will my wife return to me? For your wedding. See you in September, baby. But, uh, so yeah, so me. So a little bit more about me. Um, yeah, what's she doing? Where's she been? Who's she seeing? She's like the New York it girl. The New York ick girl. No. <laughs> You're just the only girl in New York right now. The whole city yeah, it, dead. That's what it kind of feels like. Yeah, summer in the city. My level of estrogen that I'm surrounded by is dipped considerably since leaving my job. Because I used to hang out with femmes like all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And now Dolly is kind of the only estrogen I get, except for when sometimes you send me memes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everything is great. I definitely get that like these two months have felt like a year. And in that, I have felt like I have accomplished nothing and that I've made a grave mistake. (laughs) But, um, But even in like the last just like two months, I definitely have felt like my art practice has like started to crystallize and like move forward and progress, which is really amazing that like the first month or so I was like 
panicking and like desperately trying to come up with shit and of course I knew that I would just make a bunch of like bad work because I was like cycling through five years of like desperation Mm -hmm. Uh, but now I feel like I'm like settling into something which is really nice my May was just like a super wash one of the reasons that like we couldn't record is because for some reason like a week before May started everyone was like you have to fly to this remote location (laughs) so I like went to Chicago randomly for like no reason then we went to North Carolina randomly for a wedding I was in Ireland it was like I literally had blocked out all my days in May and I only had nine free days that's exhausting I was not it it's the worst and and it's like I mean we we don't have to talk too much about Ireland because if if you've ever seen pictures of it you kind of get the gist it's like like, green and there's cows maybe sheep sheep so many sheep that's better well no, I'm not here to pit animals against each other, you know? No, no. I mean, there's no hierarchy, but I would say they're not like American cows and sheep. They're fluffy. Ooh. They're like so fluffy. Like these cows are, were like. Like poofy. They had like, I don't know what Garnier Frutis Oh, they got hair. Yeah. Volume. But like it is like, I keep saying this, is that like I do feel like I could die in Ireland. Not in the way where I feel like Ireland is trying to kill me, but in a way of, like, when I'm old and I want to, like, return to the earth like a cat and run away from society, I think I would want to do it there. Like, there's some, the landscape is just, like, so beautiful. It's so empty because, of course, all the famine and the death. But, like, it's the most beautiful place. No, I couldn't eat. We knew that I wasn't going to be able to well, eat Well, that's there, perfect then because then if you're looking to die anyway, like, you can just starve. Yeah, you can slowly wi- wither away. Yeah. Like the unwatered tulip that I have. Aw, poor little tulip. Can I tell you one fun fact about Irish sheep? Yes. And then we can move on to our episode. Yes. I mean, and we also don't have to move on. <laughs> I will stay for two fun facts about Irish sheep if you have two. Okay, can I tell you one fun fact about Irish sheep and then one fun fact about my trip? Yes. One fun fact about Irish sheep, and I haven't seen this with any other sheep that I've encountered I haven't been around that many sheep but I've been around international sheep before mm-hmm. and the situation with the sheep is that um instead of like tall wire fences they just have like these stacked stones that delineate where people's property are so sometimes the little sheepies they'll like hop over the stones into other people's pastures so it looks like so sometimes like you're gonna lose your sheep right you'll be like oh i thought i had 36 now i have 32 there's no wolves in ireland so nobody's eating the sheep okay that's good to make sure that these sheep don't get mixed up and you know if like your sheep has wandered into someone else's yard a lot of the sheep that they're they're not using and goats they're not using for their wool they're using them for like their milk and stuff like that uh and unfortunately their meat but what they do is they dye their little heads funny colors. Aww. So if your sheep ends up in someone else's, they'll be like, well, that's my green sheep because all my <laughs> sheep are green and your sheep are all pink. So we were just wa- like wandering around the countryside with these punk ass, like cool fucking manic panic sheep. I love that. That's so much better than like branding or stapling yeah. the ear, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I also was imagining like, you know, they shear the sheep eventually. So then they there's kind of like this, okay, it's hair dyeing day. Yeah. <laughs> these farmers have to do all the time. I like this idea that someone's just collecting all the pink and making like a beautiful sheep coat out of it. Mm-hmm. A divine, decadent. Yeah. Very uh, like Corella DeVille minus like the murder. Yes. Absolutely. Which is very important. So my second fact, fun fact. Mm-hmm. Is that so? We were on like a sightseeing tour for old people, right? So we all like piled onto one of those like big tour buses, all 31 of us, and like drove around. And then we'd get off and you know, we'd have a tour somewhere else and get back on the bus. And our bus driver, Philip, fucking hated us. (laughs) He hated us so much. We were just like, he's used to like people that are like super engaged, and everyone was like hungover and young and like not interested in all these fun- I was interested in facts yeah. but I'm not like a person that's gonna call up in class and be like is this you know well, he'd ask a question so anyway one particular scenario which I feel like is very indicative of like how this entire week went mm-hmm. is that we were driving through I think it's this town called Cork okay. and Cork. we're driving through this town and we passed this church 
and this church has this giant like sequoia tree or something like that and he says I'm not going to do the accent but he's basically like oh there's this tree and it's got a bunch of light bulbs on it that they shine every night do you know how many lights are on this tree and we're like dead silent like, <laughs> I don't know how am I supposed to I'm like, like why would I fucking 12? care yeah how many disciples did Jesus have I have no idea and he's like gives us some random insane number like 357 or something like that he's like 357 do you know why this town lights 357 lights on this tree and we're like philip i have no idea philip is eight in the you morning. gotta throw us a no bone idea. philip how he's like this is an american fact how can you not know this and like i'm just sweating i've answered no questions correctly during this like oh my gosh mad lib experience i'm having and he goes i can't believe you americans you don't even know your own history this tiny town in ireland lights 357 lights on this random tree in front of this random church because that is the number of firefighters that died in 9-11 what how i the crickets it's so charming but like why would you care i like that's so weird just the firefighters yeah you're like so many other people died and he's just counting like pete davidson's dad like that's it yeah you know yeah it's i felt so dumb but then also like jerked around by this like bully yeah and that was my trip oh, okay great so it sounds like a fun time yeah i had a good time it was fun. <laughs> not a lot of forests in ireland no, I think it's mostly green, right? It's just green and sheep. Yeah, it's green pastures. Like, apparently he was saying that, like, they sold most of their wood to the Swedes in, like, the 1800s. The for Swedes boats. have so much wood. They had, but they needed so many more. But I don't know why. I don't know what they're doing. It sounds with like boats. the Swedes bamboozled them. I mean, easy to do with the Irish, yeah. unfortunately. A trusting people. A trusting people. A down to earth people. A sheep people. A sheep raising, hair dyeing people who really care about the firefighters that passed away, unfortunately, in 9 11. Um, but I would love, Alicia, mm-hmm. to tell you some more forest facts. Forest facts for our forest gods episode. I'm so excited. So, baby witches, forest facts. Forests contain around 80% of all the land animals on Earth while only covering 31% of its surface. of our medicines originate in rainforest plants, but only 1% of plant life in the Amazon has been studied. Isn't that crazy? But that's probably because you go there and you're going to get killed. It's an in and out situation. Amazon rainforest wants to murder you Mm -hmm. and enjoys it. Yeah. Like, I think that totally makes sense to me. But it is kind of absurd. But then we're cutting it down. I, I don't know. It's a fucked up system. Uh, The tallest tree in existence is named Hyperion, a redwood tree in the great state of California. (gasps) I could visit him. You could go to him. He is over 379 feet tall, which is around 27 stories. And that's only a couple of stories shorter than Los Angeles City Hall, which if you haven't seen this bitch before, it is fucking tall. It's tall, man. That's a tall building. That's a tall tree. Yeah. And he's alive, and he did it all by himself. And a final forest fact, forests are good for us, and not in a silly Captain Planet cartoon way, because sure, they store our carbon and make our oxygen, which makes this planet livable for us, but the chemistry of our brains is literally altered when you stand beneath a tree or even smell their sap. So baby witches that listen to our Patreon episodes, they know that our bodies are so responsive to the smell of trees that your blood pressure will go down 15 points within just a second of smelling the sap of a tree. It's so crazy, but also amazing and beautiful, and I love that. Like, don't even get me started about these mycelium, these little fungus guys. I cannot. We are meant. We are mushrooms, dude. We are mushrooms, like straight up. But what really is a forest, Alicia? What classifies a forest, and how did people in the ancient world feel about them? And what did they represent? Okay, my guess. Go ahead. Is a bunch of trees, any kind of trees, that provide shade, 
mm-hmm. that things can live under and in. That's Interesting. it. That's how I would define a forest. That's pretty good. That's actually quite close. Oh. Uh, so to be classified as a forest, a group of trees must average at least 16 feet tall. So there is kind of like you can't just be brush. Okay. okay. You have to cover at least 10% of the land, which doesn't seem like very much, and span a distance of 1.24 acres. To which I said, what is an acre? Oh, thank you. I didn't know. Winnie the Pooh told me nothing. Yeah. I said, a hundred acre woods? That seems like a lot. It's not that much. Yeah. So if you have ever been trapped in a room with an 80s dad or a straight man from Chicago in the month of February, I want you to just dig deep into the pit of your stomach and dredge up that trauma and see with your mind's eye that the size of an acre is about 75% of a regulation-sized football field. It is not even a football field size. Oh, okay. Hmm. So you could have a forest that doesn't even take up a full football field as long as there's at least 10% of it covered in trees. That is a forest. I like that. Like, it doesn't have to try too hard. Yeah, no. Forest is bottom of the barrel. Yeah. It's only up from here. Love that. And then I have a bunch of these little, like, approximation to acres. So an acreage accounts uh, to 242 sedans, uh, <laughs> 1,594 potatoes. Oh, no. Get to the post-it notes. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, like, trying. It's really small. 696,960 post-it notes laid out. That's an acre. That's crazy. The witches love this. So to ancient people <laughs> of the world, forests were both providers of life and death. Life because they may supply food and medicine and leafy toilet paper, but death in that within its mossy walls live wolves and bears and other terrors who would just love to gobble up a fat little toddler just like you. Oh, just like me. We talked about this briefly when discussing hedge witches, that there's this concept of dualism. This is the idea that there are only two sides to the coin and that they are opposites to one another, black and white, good and evil, right and wrong. And within it comes all the connotations of those signifiers and their opposite. So if you apply this to nature, there's civilization and then there's the wild. Ooh, sexy. So in civilization, we have laws, which means in the wild, it's lawless. Ooh, good. In civilization, we are safe. And in the wilds, you will be kidnapped by ravens at any moment. Very Hilda. I love this. In civilization, you have to pick up your dog poop. But in the wilds, you better watch where you step. That's true. And this logic was applied to anyone who dared to cross that boundary. So, for example, if we in civilized society take communion every Sunday and consume the body of Christ, those who live in the forest consume the bodies of unbaptized children on an unholy dark Sabbath, which was literally the concerns of the church elders in 500 B.C. Whew. Heavy. So, baby witches and Alicia. Yes. You are smart. So you know that this logic is a little didactic. And if you've ever walked in a civilized city, you know that these lawless fools are not picking up the poop of their little poopy-doos. And I want to address this issue because I've never walked into a forest and, like, seen poop. Like, there are so many animals. There must be poop everywhere. Mm -hmm. I've never clocked it. What is up with that? What is the answer to that? Are animals not real? I don't know. Bears are an illusion. I don't know. I mean, that's like very real. Mm -hmm. Where is this so-called scat I've heard about? I've never seen it. That like Native American trackers Mm -hmm. in the pits of of Night Vale are able to read. I'm sure they just don't want to poop by the trail because the trail probably smells like people. And so it's like deeper Mm -hmm. out there. I've never. But I've never seen it. Do deer poop. I've never gone off the beaten path. To be honest, I have once and I regretted it. It was just more hilly, more, you know, lots of plants. It's mm-hmm. kind of wild. And you don't know if it's poison oak or poison ivy or just a normal plant because it's probably not a normal plant. It's probably really wants to hurt you. Yeah. Most plants want to hurt you. Yeah. Except for the ones that don't. But you got to know. It's like the happening. Yeah. It's kind of like Russian roulette. Now, baby witches. Based on where they came from, this dualism of the forest versus civilization is evident in how ancient people told stories about their forests. And at the end of this, we may be able to see how these ancient outlooks influenced how we preserve our forests today. So let's get right into it. Some ancient enchanted 
forest. Yes. Okay, amazing. Put on your galoshes. Ooh, it's rainy outside. Put on your waders. Really wet. Really wet. And get your little, uh, I almost said tomahawk. Get your. Uh, I need floaties, it sounds. <laughs> Do I need like little floaties? I think we should get a raft. Okay, just in case. But coming in hot right out of the gate is the oldest story in human history, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Have you heard of this? No. Really? No. I mean, I've heard of someone named Gilgamesh. Is it a goblin? I don't know. But he basically is. I don't know the story. Now, not a whole lot of people still pray to ancient Mesopotamian gods, but their pantheon would go on to influence many other mythos. Remember, our girl Ishtar would eventually go on to become Aphrodite. The Epic of Gilgamesh follows the story of the demigod fuckboy king Gilgamesh, <laughs> similar to Beowulf. Okay. The stage is set so that we understand this guy fucking sucks so much. He's a tyrant. He's pro-slavery, pro-rape, and just an absolute shitbird. So he's Zeus. He's Zeus, but like doesn't get cool powers. Just murder. Oh, that's not fun. It's like he's so annoying that the gods are so pissed at him all the time. So they decide to create a foil, character foil, to his madness in the form of a muscular wild man named Enkidu. So in Sumerian, Kidu means the good place, which means Enkidu means lord of the good place or of the good place, Ooh. right? So he's like kind of like a beautiful, pure thing. And he's got like thick hair. Oh, we're going to talk about the hair. He's like a hairy kind of guy, I, I bet. He is described. On these muscles, this like six As pack. being very hairy. Oh. Yeah, he's like, people talk about that he is like a bear daddy. He is like the original man. And Kidu lives in the forest. And he has no mother, no father, so he's raised by the forest itself. He's like one of the beasts. No mommy issues, no daddy issues. So far, we're checking all the boxes over mm -hmm. here. He may be the perfect man, but let us see. As I said, he's described as being hairy like an animal. He lives with the creatures of the forest, so he's good with community. He drinks from the river and uh, destroys the traps uh, of would-be hunters to protect his animal friends. Okay, this is great. So far, I'm like loving him. One day, he's discovered by a hunter, and through a series of prayers and tattletales, <laughs> they decide that the way to civilize this man, this wild man, with his huge bush, mm -hmm. is through the love of a good woman. So they boop, 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 call up and hire a sacred sex worker named Shamha, which literally means the luscious Oh, good for her. And she spends two weeks fucking this wild man and Kidu. Do you imagine how awful this must be for her? Oh, I mean, raw. I'm sure he's great, but it's like, you're sleeping on rocks. I'm drinking the river, which you were probably already drinking the river, to be fair. Like, everyone was drinking the river. Am I gathering my own food? Like, I don't know. Or yeah. am I just the luscious vegetarians? one? Yeah. Am I just the luscious one? If I'm just the luscious one and I'm just, like, hanging out sunbathing, I kind of like that, but I don't know. Yeah, I assume that Enkidu, like, sleeps with animals at night to keep warm so i'm sure it's like quite uncomfortable and stinky that is precious though so after these two weeks the luscious one leaves him she's like i did my deed you can sell me and enkidu is able to speak and behaves as a human would but that makes the forest creatures afraid of him <gasps> no so here's dualism like right up top one or the other forester civilization you only get one enkidu goes to uruk to fulfill his divine destiny, that's where Gilgamesh is, to defeat the tyrant king Gilgamesh, and they wrestle for it. Oh, that's sexual. Eventually, Gilgamesh wins, though it's close, and some sources say that they tie. But the two men are so inspired by each other's physical prowess and muscles <laughs> that they become best friends. He's like, oh, you work out, dude? Dude, so do I. What do you lift? Like... Stunning. Good. Men should yeah. always have friends with other men. I hope so. And women. But male friendships are very special here at Witch Yes. I love I this. wish I could just wrestle another woman and then she would be like, that was amazing when you threw me so far. We should be best friends. What's your Instagram? I think there's a type of woman and you just haven't found her yet. That's fair. Yeah. A very small woman that I could throw. Yeah, exactly. Now in Kidu, Wild Man No More has fulfilled his destiny. But he's only like, probably like 25 or some shit, right? Like, 
What do you do when you've got the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence and you're barely halfway to 30? You kill yourself. You've done it. Genuinely, he becomes so depressed. <gasps> no, Enkidu. I don't know why we're supposed to be alive anymore. He's like, if only Aww. I had stayed in the forest and frolicked freely and had sex with deer. Like, my life would be better. Gilgamesh sees that his new BFF is sad. Okay. And he's like, I know it. Hey, buddy. Hey, buckaroo. I know what you need. An adventure. Ooh. Let's go to the forest of Humbaba and kill the god-elected beast that protects it. Because that always makes me feel better when I'm questioning the purpose of life. This feels very anti-Enkidu, though. I mean, it makes no sense for his character development. Okay, great. Just checking. So Gilgamesh and Enkidu go to the forest of Humbaba. And Humbaba is a mountain god creature that was, again, placed there by the gods. He's like, he's got a job to do. He's the hall monitor Mm -hmm. of this whole area. God, this must be so annoying. Like, these two, like god twerps come up and he's like dude i'm just mm-hmm. doing my job yeah don't yell at me yeah and they're like we can't hear you over our muscles because we're jacked <sighs> so humbaba finds them pretty quickly and before attacking them accuses enkidu of abandoning the creatures of the forest fucking sees right through his <gasps> little pussy ass shit oh my god gilgamesh in return disembowels the forest beast humbaba and as the creature is pleading for his life, it's like, please don't kill me. I'm just doing my job. I get paid hourly. Gilgamesh falters. He's like, should I spare the life of this beast, Humbaba? And without a second thought, Enkidu beheads the creature. Thump. Oh my gosh. And that's the end of the story. I don't think Enkidu is sexy anymore. I want to retract my statement. I don't like the man that he has become. Mm-hmm. He had so much potential. He really did. This is so sad. What do you think that this story means? Like if you had to unpack this in like the realm of like civilization versus nature, man versus nature. Well, it just seems like the moment you hit civilization, you begin to unravel mm-hmm. as a human and you just become a fucking dick. Yeah. That was my takeaway. Is there a better moral to the story than that? No, that's like, honestly, I, I, that's what I felt, is that like man's approximation to nature is how empathetic he is. Mm. The closer to nature, the more empathetic, the more within civilization, the more bloodthirsty and violent. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. These cities. Ooh. What are these? These 15-minute cities everybody's worried about? I get it. I get it. It's crazy. It may not be for like the Jewish space laser that everyone's talking about, but I get it. <laughs> so next up, we're going to talk about the Foloi Oak Forest. Foloi. Folo, Foloi, 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 Foloi Oak Forest. Ooh. The Foloi Oak Forest is a forest in southwestern Greece about 3.5 hours from Athens by car, but they didn't have cars then, so it probably took a lot longer. <laughs> it is the only forest of its kind in Greece, and it gets its name from the centaur Pholus, who has a very similar story to Chiron, if you remember from our Chiron episode. Mm-hmm. But they are different centaurs. Don't get them mixed up. But Heracles fucked both of their lives up, okay? So here's the story. Heracles, or Hercules, depending on who you're talking to, is out on one of his many adventures, terrorizing the countryside, okay? As he does. He's on his way to Mount uh, Euramanthos. I don't give a shit. He's here to hunt a wild boar. On his travels, he happens upon a beautiful forest. Lush. Green. Uh, At least... 75% of a regulation-sized football field. Ooh, sexual. And wouldn't you know it, his buddy, Pholus, is there. So Pholus is a centaur, and he's being a good bro in that he's like, hey, Heracles, you're on a long journey. Why don't you come back to my crib? I'll make you a nice dinner. We'll open up a fresh bottle of wine, and we'll see where the night takes us. And Heracles is like, hell yeah, I'm starving. Let's go. Later that evening, the other centaurs come back to find that their roommate, Pholus, let a weird little two-legged tween, Heracles, eat the Chinese food that they were saving in the fridge, and they start throwing punches. Oh, (laughs) wow. Oh, no. So after this brawl, Heracles returns to find that Pholus was slain during (gasps) the fight, accidentally struck by Heracles' own arrow, which is the exact thing that happened to Chiron. 
So you'd think that he would learn his lesson. So is about- he just bad at aiming? Yeah. He's this way. This- he panics. Yeah. That was me shooting arrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people yes. weren't there to see the visual of it, but I saw the visual and it was phenomenal. I'm a fantastic pantomime. The way you shot the arrows, though, like I think you would have hit everything. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Pholus is dead. And devastated, Heracles buries his friend in the forest and names it after him, Foloi Oak Forest. Beautiful. Touching. Very touching. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did it himself. It's kind of like he's just hiding the body after a second-degree murder. Mm, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, it is beautiful. Okay, so this is wildly similar to Chiron the Wounded Healer. And similarly still... There is an astral body named Pholus in our night sky. Mm. Apparently, astronomy has a bunch of these heavenly bodies called centaurs, which are these little bits of rock or whatever is out there in space that exhibit characteristics of both an asteroid and a comet, similar to the centaurs being half man and half horse. Ah, I see. I see. They transit some of those outer planets and sometimes they collide with them. So they have a pretty short lifespan in our solar system. So you're like thinking about like where these guys are. So it's like sun in the center, rocky planets, asteroid belt, famously, gas and ice giants. And then mixed around all those gas and ice giants are a bunch of these little bodies called centaurs. You're not going to find a lot of astrologers that track these centaurs, but famous and sometimes questionable website astro.com said that planets transiting Pholus tend to act in strange and unpredictable ways. So think of Pholus as like the reckless roommate who would invite a strange guy over to eat your food and drink your liquor and then physically fight you when you call him out on his bullshit. So much so that he dies. So you can track Pholus in your astrological chart and be like anything that it's transiting is like wacky. That is kind of (laughs) crazy. We should figure out where our... Like when our planets are going into fullness and see what happens. It's a date. It's a date. This sounds great. Okay. Let me tell you about not the muffin man, but the apple tree man. I'm scared. Have you heard of this man? No, but I'm afraid that he is a tree. Oh, he's a tree. All right. All right. All right. Kids, sit down. This isn't one enchanted forest, but a character that appears in apple orchards across the world. In English folklore, the apple tree man is a name given to the spirit of the oldest apple tree in an orchard. It was important to acknowledge the oldest orchard because it was believed that the apple tree man provided the fertility for the whole orchard. So if he's strong, we're strong. Stronger together. Exactly. Tales about the apple tree man were collected by the folklorist Ruth Tongue, like literally like T-O-N-G-U-E. That can't be her real name. That's not her Christian name. No, No, I don't think so. But she resided in the cider-producing county of Somerset. So in one story, there's two stories for you. In one story, I want to, like, paint the scene for you. All right? Let's close your eyes. It's Christmas Eve. We're somewhere in England. A lovely old man has gone to his family holiday party where they drink mulled wine and have a merry yet modest Christmas Eve party. This man isn't well off, but he's got the basics and everyone loves him. And let's just call him Joe. Why not? Old man Joe says hi to his neighbors. And if phones were invented, he would always call his mama every Sunday. After going to church, of course. So on Christmas Eve, old man Joe is on his way home. In his hand, he carries his last mug of mulled cider. Old man Joe decides to make a detour and goes to the trees in his apple orchard. He offers his last mug of mulled cider to the trees and thanks them for all of the apples he received that year. He is so nice. We love that him. Is so dark. So wholesome. It's a wonderful life. It is. The story didn't go into details about what happened next, but I'm going to just imagine the rest of the story and how it went down. The apple tree man, so you know the oldest tree in the orchard, opens his eyes and big tree mouth and says, Old man Joe, brother, we love you. You've always showed us such respect. Thank you for bringing us a nice alcoholic beverage to celebrate the holiday. Tomorrow morning, take a shovel and go 50 steps due west. 
from the old wishing well. Dig three meters in. Meters, because we're in England. And you <laughs> will find a reward for your generosity. <laughs> Isn't this a great story? I should write this tale, honestly. Like You should, yeah. yeah. This is definitely enough room for a short. I'm scared that how big his mouth is that old man Joe is going to go into. <laughs> <laughs> like, clean my teeth, old man Joe. <laughs> so, no, it was fine. It was a great, great time. So, the next day. While old man Joe is nursing his hangover on Christmas morning, he remembers wildly that a fucking tree spoke to him. Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. He's blistered this whole time. I, I did not realize he is fucked up. Yeah, he's fucked up. But he lives by himself and, you know, plays by his own rules. So old man Joe grabs his shovel, being like, you know, I have nothing else to lose. There's nothing under the Christmas tree for me. I live by myself. Got nothing else to do today. He goes to the old wishing well and takes 50 steps due west. He then digs three meters deep, which does take a long time, you know. At this point, he's worried that he hallucinated the entire thing or that the apple tree man may be playing a joke on him when, thunk, a treasure chest. Oh, I was like, a body. And what's inside this treasure chest? Buried gold. Ugh. Now, old man Joe is rich as fuck, all because he was generous and shared. Isn't that beautiful? I'm so happy for him. I also do think he should buy a gun because I'm worried that the pirates that left that gold are going to come back for it and then find out that he took it. That's a good point. It also could be, since you were talking about the dualism with Gilgamesh, because I didn't know that when I was doing this little story, maybe it's about reconnecting with nature can bring you something like gold. But also, there's no buried treasure in the city. I mean, these are all extremely good points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, what? you can't bury anything in the city. You're going to run into a water main. Yeah, it's not good. And then that's going to cost you a lot of gold. Or like a sewer and like, you know, it just gets messy. Yeah. Mm -mm. No thank you. This is is great. This is good. So stay in the forest. Stay in the forest. Okay. And for the last story about the apple tree man, I just need to read verbatim the story that was on Wikipedia because it's so silly and... It's just ridiculous. It wasn't even worth me, like, expanding upon it. In another tale, a farm cat was curious to explore some fields that people avoided working because they were haunted by ghosts and witches. She set out one day and got as far as the orchard when the apple tree man cautioned her to go back home because folks were coming to pour cider for his roots and shoot guns to drive away the witches. He persuaded her not to go wandering around at night until St. Tibbs' Eve... And she never did because she did not know when St. Tibbs Eve was, nor did anyone else. (laughs) It was his fuck. He made it up. (laughs) This tree lied. This tree lied to this little cat. I forgot it was a cat. It's a cat. (laughs) I'm also like, they're going to pour cider on my roots and shoot some guns. It's like, what? Shoot some women. (laughs) What? In the woods. Get out of here, little cat. (laughs) Go home. You can come back after St. Tibbs' Eve. And this cat's just like waiting. She's like, meow? (laughs) I don't, meow? She's like, how are you talking to me? I don't know English. I don't know this language. You're a tree. Oh, my God. That's the funniest fucking shit I know. I was like, I love it. So real. (laughs) So real. So I don't know real. half of the fucking shit these trees be saying. Yeah, I don't, when is St. Tibbs' Eve? And no one knew. <laughs> All right, baby witches, you've heard about some trees. Mm-hmm. But let's breed together because sometimes these trees and the creatures living about them are gods. So let's talk about forest gods. Ooh. First up, I'm going to talk to you about Tane Mahuta. So... Waipua Forest is a protected area in the northwestern coast of New Zealand. Would love to go. Dream vacation. And it holds the largest community of remaining cowrie trees. So before 1840, cowrie trees spanned over 7,500 square miles of New Zealand. Fifty years later, due to logging, only 10% of these trees survived. Which is so sad because they play a role in Maori creation myths. Aw, that is sad. Tane Mahuta is a god, a baby god. A baby. A little guy. When he is born to the earth father, 
Papa Tuanuku and the Sky Mother, Ranganui. Papa Tuanuku and Ranganui are what we all hope to be after having many, many godly children. They are obsessed with one another. Aww. They are so, in- he's like, hey, Gucci, Gucci, I love you so much, my sweet little potato pumpkin. And she's like, oh, my darling little. And it's nauseating. They are so in love that there's no space between them. They've trapped their children <laughs> after she gives birth to them in between their bodies. I don't know if I quite understand, but I think it's cute and it could be very gross. <laughs> it sounds very sticky. Yeah. They've trapped all of their children between their bodies. And Tane, our little baby gun, like the hard-headed cowry kid he is, decided enough was enough and burst through his parents through sheer will and strength, separating them and freeing all of his divine siblings so that they could go out into the world. With his little so baby his muscles. His chonky little cannolis. Yeah. So Tane was compared to the tall trees of Waipua Forest because like Tane, they stretched out separating the earth from the sky, which is like a creation myth that's really common that like before all of creation, the sky and the earth were together and that through some kind of action, they've been separated, which gives space for me and you and this microphone and our animals and this coffee mug to exist. Oh, that's beautiful. To this day, Tane Mahuta lives in the Waipua Forest in the form of the largest and tallest cowrie tree alive on planet Earth. He is the cowrie tree man. Yeah. And if him <laughs> and the apple tree man could just find a way to make it work, they could have beautiful children together. Oh, my god! But gosh. look at this guy. He is huge. He is huge. I love him. Well, we also have the Celtic goddess of the Black Forest, Abnoba. Abnoba was known by the Gauls as a goddess of the hunt, childbirth, and of all forests and rivers. The Gauls. Not the Gauls. The Gauls. The Dolls. The Dolls. She was specifically worshipped in the Black Forest area on riverbanks and in shrines on the mountains. And for those like me who don't know where the Black Forest is, it is a large mountain range located in Germany. Oh, our heritage. And I love this next part I read. There wasn't a lot of information about her, unfortunately, but I really like this part. Abnova's name, broken down, is Abo, meaning river, and No, meaning wetness. And this makes the translation of her name to be She of River Wetness. (laughs) Poetic. Love the Celts. But it's like, your river better be wet. Your river better be wet. (laughs) I love that. Then we have Akan mythology. Akan mythology comes from the traditional beliefs and religious practices of the Akan people of Ghana and Eastern Ivory Coast. This religion was transported to Jamaica during the transatlantic slave trade, and Akan became a dominant religion in Jamaica for enslaved people during that time. And I want to highlight a really cool goddess in the Akan religion named Asasiya and Asasiafwa. Although she has two names, she is actually one deity. Asasiya is described as an old woman, like an original Mother Earth, and this mama goddess rules over the barren places on Earth, and she is also the mother of the dead. Her other half is Asasi Afwa. Asasi Afwa, by contrast, is depicted as a youthful, incredibly beautiful woman. Due to this, she is regarded as the goddess of fertility, farming, love, and of the lush places on earth. Everything that lives and grows and prospers is overseen by Asasi Afwa. As goddess of the earth, she is worshipped both halves of her often to sustain the plants, animals, and people that live on her land. And I wanted to highlight Asasi specifically because I feel like in terms of gods, there are so many, so many. There are too many. And they each have their own function. Like there's a god for forests and a god for the sun and a god for blah, 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 like the toilets, different stuff like that. But I love that Asasi is a goddess of the earth and she's two sides of the same coin. The land when it's dry and unable to give you its resources, and also the land when it's lush and prospering. And on top of that, there are two names for Asasi to differentiate these different personalities and powers. And I was like, work. That is fascinating. Within us, within each of us, are two Asases. Exactly. And then we have Aja of Yoruban mythology. Aja hails from West Africa and is of Yoruban Orisha. She is the spirit of the forest and protects all the animals within it. 
In her forest, she would find plants with medicinal properties and mix the herbs and roots and other plant parts together to find cures for the sick. She was said to hold the secrets of botany, and she shared much of her medicinal knowledge with humans. She was known as being a special earth god because she was more interested in sharing her knowledge and helping humans than terrifying them, unlike your run-of-the-mill European pagan gods. She's all about using what you have from nature to nurture your plant and animal surroundings and your own health. That's so special. I love that all of these nature ones, when they're in nature and they're able to thrive, are just for so much good. Mm-hmm. Very benevolent. Mm-hmm. And then you have what the fuck's his name? Induku. Induku. Who just oh, and Kidu. And Kidu. Wow, I really. Who leaves, yeah. Who leaves and then becomes a murderer. I know, that's crazy. You know, there's a few forest gods. And th- I actually have to say there's not that much information specifically on forest gods, which I was a little surprised by. Yeah. But how can we get witchy with this? And really, I said this at the top of the episode, so I really want to reiterate this. Um, this summer, I think we as a podcast want to challenge you, the listener, to spend some time in nature. And even if that's a walk around your neighborhood or finally sitting down under that tree that offers so much shade. We just need nature. And as Tara said, like, being in the shade regulates your fucking body. It does. It helps your anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it's so good to just get out there, be in nature, and, like, I just want you guys to go outside and take magic mushrooms with your best friends and, like, have a really excellent summer. I wish that for you. Yeah. It's not super witchy, but in Montana, there's a bunch of youths that are suing the Montana government over climate change and I think something really cool and really witchy to do would be to support those youths support the youths all right baby witches coming in like a white hot comet from outer space it is witches in the news uh I miss that noise this is such this is such a safe space it really is. Until you fuck me up with this sandwich, I assume you're going to give me. It, the sandwich is okay today, you know? The sandwich will be fine. We can all stomach the sandwich. Our first story, Connecticut Senate doing something good. Oh, my gosh. It's such a tiny little state. You'd think they could do more good. I forget it often. Mm-hmm. On Thursday, May 25th, Connecticut senators voted to absolve the 12 women and men convicted of witchcraft, 11 of whom were executed more than 370 years ago, and apologized for the miscarriage of justice that occurred over a very dark and sad 15-year period of the state's history. The Senate voted 33 to 1 in favor of a resolution that officially proclaimed their innocence. Yay! I want to know who that one is. Oh, I'm going to tell you who that one is, all right, all right? But before we get there, it marked the culmination of years of effort by a group called the Connecticut Witch Trial Exoneration Project, made up of history buffs and descendants. And these were a lot of people who found out through, like, 23andMe that they were descendants. And they were just like, oh, fuck yeah. But also, what? My poor whomever relative didn't get to see their day in court? Let's do something about it. Now, for the one, the one vote was Republican State Senator Rob Sampson. He cast the lone no vote on Thursday. Like, come on. What? You just want attention at that point, right? He said it was wrong and childlike to suggest, this is the quote, somehow we have a right to dictate what was right or wrong about periods in the past that we have no knowledge of, end quote. Killing innocent people. He's like, well, I mean, we weren't there, so. Yeah, maybe there were witches. He's like, well, I mean, we weren't, like, at the Holocaust. Like, <laughs> I don't know. He's like, okay. Jesus Christ. Those guys were just doing their job. Exactly. It's like, oh, my goodness. Fucking. Just chill out. I hope you get voted out, my dude. I know, the one guy. And it's like, dude, Vote we all just could have been getting along for once. And it couldn't even happen this time. It's so crazy. That guy's like, I don't see a problem with having a wedding on an old plantation. Yeah. He's like, I don't see race. I can't see it. I don't see anything. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But advocates of the resolution argued it's important to raise public awareness about the witch trials in Connecticut, which occurred decades before the infamous Salem witch trials in Massachusetts. So they're like, it's part of our Connecticut history. And sometimes 
we're not the hero in the story. We are actually the villain. And that's important to point out as Rob Sampson's like, well, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she was rude. Rob Sampson kind of sounds like he a, was a bully in high school. Like he would like chew gum and like throw it in some girl's hair or something. That's the vibe I'm getting from him. Yeah. He definitely reminds me of like a guy that goes to like like a women's studies class and is like, but actually. But why don't we have men's studies? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, duh. Yeah, Sorry, that's the sound that I think of when I think of him now. <laughs> Our next story is young girl accused of witch, now a law hopeful. So it's got your touch of sadness that you need for a very good sandwich. Like mm-hmm. your sandwich is never good unless you're like slightly crying over it. Mm-hmm. That's a good sandwich. Some pickles. Like it's got a little tartness, mm-hmm. a little banana pepper or something. Exactly. Danish aid worker Anya Ringenlovin of the Foundation Land of Hope, which we've talked about them before, like way back, probably back in like season one when we first started hearing about like actual witch hunts and not political witch hunts, like actual witch hunts that happen throughout the world. She shared new photos of a young girl, Mary, who was rescued by her team nine years ago after being branded a witch. Mary was a child at the time of her rescue, and she was found hiding in the bush, half naked, with cuts and bruises all over her body. Just like this tiny little thing. Like literally hiding from the village because she knew they were going to kill her. It's so awful. It's so fucked up. So nine years later, so the now times, Mary is a young woman, and she's thriving, and she wrote to JAMB, which is Nigeria's official entrance exam board, to help her get into university. And so she wants to now go into law and maybe help other people like her in the future. And at this point, Land of Hope has taken full-time care of 92 children accused of witchcraft during their like 20-ish years. But I think in 2000, I think it was 2014 or 2012, that's when they had the orphanage built and they opened up their doors. So there's like actual safe space for kids to go to where they can grow up and eat food and play with other kids, be able to sleep in like a room and all the good, good stuff. Be safe from violence. Exactly. And just like become adults in a safe space. Mary has a full future ahead of her, which is very exciting. I know. So that wasn't too bad of a sandwich middle. And then our final story is we're just calling out the witches. Vanessa Hudgens is a witch. But how do we know this? Bum, bum, bum. Vanessa Hudgens, famous from the High School Musical franchise, because honestly, I forgot, and I always get her and Demi Lovato very confused. Oh, interchangeable for me. Mm -hmm. But Vanessa released a documentary this past April called Dead Hot. In the documentary, she and her best friend traveled to Salem, Massachusetts in search of the supernatural, which I was kind of like, damn, why didn't we do that? Because we were poor. Well, yeah, but that's like so not fair. I know. To us. Privilege. It is. It's quite the privilege. I have no idea if this documentary is any good. So if someone thinks it's worth a watch, you should DM us and let us know. Or you know how I am. Maybe I'll watch it eventually, but... We'll see. I haven't watched it yet, so this isn't a plug for it. I don't know anything about this. If it's really bad, also DM us and let us know, because I would love to hate watch. Vanessa Hudgens discovered she was a witch when talking to a makeup artist on one of the Princess Switch film trailers that she was in. The makeup artist told her all about witchcraft, how women were wrongly persecuted throughout history, and how witchcraft is a place for empowerment among all people. And Vanessa Hudgens, like all of us, was like, hell yeah, motherfucker. Sign me the fuck up. Where is the devil's book? Yeah, take my blood. Yes. Love it when you can clock someone as being a witch. I really think we should have like a running roster and keeping tabs on them, you know? Mm-hmm. What is Lana Del Rey up to? What is Azalea Banks up to? Mischief, both of them. But yeah. good to like have someone else into the spooky ooky and to also have a trailer, not a trailer, to have a whole fucking documentary come out in april about spooky ooky things like this shit ain't october this is early i do think there is a summer spook energy Mm -hmm. once i get into june i start to get really into like spooky films for some reason maybe it's like all the heat is like clouding your brain and you're like i must feel alive (laughs) by scaring myself please yeah it's like uh like i'm trying to slap myself awake Instead of this, like, heat coma that you're going in every day. Yeah. It's like, wake up, bitch. Watch Barbarian. (laughs) 
I'm that little naked woman. <laughs> oh my gosh, too scary. And this, y'all, has been which is in the news. Ah, oh, Katie, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. Glad to be back. Happy to be here. Well, let's transition to our final segment so we don't have to be here that much longer. Okay, work. To close out, I'm going to give you a spell of reverence for the forest spirits. Oh, good. So here's what you're going to need. You're going to need a small offering, such as a handful of bird seed, dried herbs, or flower petals. A natural container, such as a leaf or a small wooden bowl. No Tupperware. Baby witches. <laughs> no fucking Tupperware. Get that Get shit out of here. here. Yeah. With that Rubbermaid. I don't have time for it. Uh-uh. A bell or a wind chime. Maybe a gong. I'm not really sure. Something to make like a little tiny noise. Mm -hmm. And then um, optionally, a small token or charm representing the forest or nature. Here's what you're going to do. Cleansing ground. Yes, of course, always. Find a quiet and secluded spot in the woods or park where you feel a strong connection to nature. So that could be on your walk. It could be in your backyard. It could be outside a town hall in Minnesota protesting with the children. It could be under a majestic tree or adorably near a little babbling brook. Choose a place that resonates with you. Cleanse and ground. Close your eyes. Breathe deeply and feel your connection with the earth beneath your feet. It didn't say to take off your shoes, but maybe you could depending on how you feel about it. Allow yourself to become fully present in the natural surroundings. Hold the small offering in your hand and with a focused intention, infuse it with gratitude and respect for the forest spirit. Visualize their presence and the energy of the woods infusing the offering with their blessing, right? This is a communion between you and this forest or tree or bush outside your public library. Place the offering into the natural container, whether it's a leaf or a small wooden bowl, and this container is going to hold your tribute to the forest spirit. Place the container on the ground, preferably under a tree or in a spot that feels significant, and as you do so, speak aloud, your words of honor and gratitude to the forest spirit. So whatever you're feeling inside your little sailor moon heart, okay? After offering your words, take a moment of silence to listen to the sounds of nature around you. Feel the energy of the forest spirits enveloping you and know that your tribute has been received with gratitude. If they like it, if you give them something they don't like, I don't know what you're going to feel. They'll probably have a bird poop on you or something. Yeah. They'll tell You'll you. You'll get a sunburn. They'll be like, ew, gross. To conclude the ritual... Ring the bell or gently play the wind chimes as a symbolic gesture of spreading your gratitude and calling forth positive energy into the space, okay? So it's kind of like amplifying this energy. Allow it to reverberate through the woods, carrying your intention far and wide. And if you decided to bring that small token or charm, hold it in your hands and imbue it with your appreciation and love for the natural world and leave it near your offering as an additional symbol of your connection. And then, of course, before you leave, make sure you clean up after yourself. Did you eat a sandwich there? Get your wrapper. Clean up your fork from your Tupperware that you had your lunch in and show some respect. God damn it. Now remember, this spell is a way to honor and show gratitude to the forest spirit in your local woods or park. Approach it with reverence and maybe don't go on to someone else's property. If, you, know, <laughs> you know, respect. Public spaces only. Yeah. And baby witches, that is it. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I love all of this connecting to nature. Like, we're feeling really good, very loosey-goosey. We're breathing in that fresh, fresh oxygen, yes. that good shit. And it's going to be a great summer. I'm on 7%, so we got to wrap this we up. We got to wrap this up. So we would like to thank Marcel Perez, our producer, Mallory Porter, our creative director, and Kevin McLeod for the music that you hear in the intro and outro each episode. I'd really like to thank everyone who's written an Apple podcast review or subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. Head over to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, write something, anything. Now, it costs you <laughs> nothing and it means everything to us. And if you want to find me, Alicia, I'm on Instagram at Alicia period herder. And if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram at her lovely face. That's my art Instagram. Or you can find me on my private Instagram underscore little moss. We, the podcast, are on Instagram at which, yes, share an episode in your stories. Tag us. We'll feature you on our stories. You can also join our Discord server, which has been popping off while we have been not popping off. Really? I had no idea. Oh, yeah. They are always going. 
And if you don't like the socials, you can always contact us via email at witchesspodcast at gmail.com. And finally, baby witches, if you've missed us during this break, I want to tell you that we have so much content, over 90 episodes over on Patreon. Woo. So they, they were not missing us a little bit. They, they were like, please stop. We need space. Give us space, <laughs> Mama. So $5 Patreon, which is an above, get an extra two episodes a month, which makes this a weekly podcast. $10 and above get access to our close friends list and more. And they get access to like early merch and, um, you know, discussions about, uh, you know, maybe private stuff, maybe secret private, you know, high school drama stuff. But yeah, it, it would really mean a lot to us if, uh, if for $5 a month, you would help us put on this show. And our last episode was really great. It was about a woman who gave birth to rabbits. Yeah, fascinating. fascinating. Fascinating history. And then the next one's going to be about the goddess Athena. So, you know. We got a bunch of shit for you on the Patreon. And baby witches, I guess this means that this has been Witch Yes!